good morning. I, I'm, I'm really appreciative of Pastor for recommending this Bible to you all. This is a good translation. Very good. I have been using NIV because that has been the most uh, popular one. So, you know, when Carol and I go over to Indonesia, we come back blessed. We come back energized because it is very, very hard for a church planter to be alone with his wife and children in a village, say about 100 homes, all of them mostly are Muslims. And then they are there sent by God to minister quietly, but uh, so in a social loving way, get into the community and slowly share the love of Jesus Christ to them. But it is a real hard role to do. And then when we bring them for a retreat, all of these church planters who are in all different parts of Indonesia, they come to this retreat and it's like, wow, we can now feel for a few days just feeling refreshed with these believers. And so they are so happy for the few days. The last day, we get them together and we say, let us pray. And when they pray, they don't ask, okay, what are the prayer items uh, for us to pray today? That's not how they pray. They just pray and pour their heart out to God. Some of them will weep and confess and repent that they have not uh, been more passionate for God. Oh, I have not loved you enough. One, uh, Mika, she prays, I love you, God. I love you, God. So much of passion and love and energy we see. And when most of the time when we have this retreat, the American uh, uh, team will surround them and they will all be praying. And after that, the American team will say to one another, all of us, wow, this is how they serve the Lord. What passion, what love. I wish the church in America can be like that. And that is how the team going there come back and reached. I want to speak to you today how you can be like that. How I can be like that. And that is what I want to share with you today. We start with the book of Ephesians. Can you hear me? Oh, okay. Maybe I should. Okay. Ephesians, you know, is one of the most complete 
epistle or letter from Paul to any church. He is very happy and encouraged, encouraged by the church, the Ephesian church. In verse 15 of chapter 1, he says, For this reason, because I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for towards all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. And it goes on. He just praised God that he that the he, that um, I do not cease to give thanks, remembering you in my prayers, because I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and the love for all the saints. Yes, he's so happy with this church that at the end of this letter. Paul writes and says, yeah, at the end he says, peace be to the brothers and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And then he says, grace be with all of you who love our Lord Jesus with love incorruptible. That is, He's saying, you guys love the Lord so much. I, when I hear of your faith and your love, I am so blessed, says Paul, to the Ephesians. So the Ephesians church is a model of love, a great church. Thirty years later you know 30 years for a church is not very long but 30 years things can completely change in a Christian's life in a church if we don't allow ourselves to engage with God with our heart rather than with our mind. And it is so easy to fall away from passionate love for God. 30 years later, this great church. And who planted this church? Paul himself. Can you imagine a church planted by Paul and that he planted it and he was there for three years teaching, he says, to groups and also from house to house. He goes teaching for three years to this church. Fantastic church. Thirty years later, you read in Revelations chapter 2 what God speaks to this Ephesus church. And it is very shocking. To the angel 
of the church in Ephesus writes, the word of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your works, your toil, your patient endurance, and how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and found them to be false. I know your endurance, enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake, and you have not grown weary. What a great church. If this was how we describe a church today, it will be a great church. We will, when God says you are working hard, a church that works hard for God, toils the uh, uh, members and the pastors, toil for God with great patience and how they test and the truth and hold to the doctrines and to the truth even though many churches are going liberal here they test and they are great church of teaching good pastors good word knowledge of the word strong all that and god says but how can God say but to the Ephesian church? You remember the Ephesian church in chapter where we Paul writes and lives for three years? How could he say but? And then he says, I have this against you. That you have abandoned, forsaken your the love you had at first. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. NIV says, remember, therefore, the height from which you have fallen. If you don't have pulsating love, in your heart at any given time for Christ. God says, remember the height from which you have fallen. I came to the Lord uh, through the ministry of Billy Graham's association uh, by his preaching. And after that, I was a young man full of love, passion. The Holy Spirit will just fill me. When I do devotion, I sometimes I just stay there like that. I marvel at the truth that God shows. Wow, wow, wow. That's how my heart and all of that will uh, pulsate and fall in love with God and sing to God. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul. I talk to the soul and say, oh, bless the Lord. Then I went to seminary 
I went to do a Bachelor of Theology. Then I did a Master of Divinity. Then I did a Master of, uh, Master of Theology. And finally, I came to Trinity to do my PhD. In. And all that time, from the start, I saw how preachers and teachers exegete the Bible. Wow! They know the Greek, they know the languages, and they will take out words and explain it. Wow! I want to be a scholar like them. And I want to exegete the Bible. And so I started digging and studying Greek and all of that. You know, that's good. Okay, I'm not uh, going to say don't do that. But you can do that plus you must do something else, which I did not. And that is slowly the eyes of my heart I was getting dim and my head was filling but the eyes of my heart was slowly closing and so my passion started going down and down and down to other place I would go into my classroom and teach my students and it would be good they like the exegesis and all that but it will be dry. It will be just academic. It was so, uh, I would say, after a while it became painful. Painful, like as though I'm pretending before God. So that when I'm with my students and I say, Let's pray. And I say, oh God, we love you. Wow. I'll feel so convicted of my sin. Because I didn't feel love at that moment. But I'm uttering those words. And then in nine, uh, nine, 2090 uh, years. I had leukemia and I was um, during my PhD studies, 1990, yes. And at that time, I was pretty sick and I asked uh, my professor, Dr. Kenneth Kanzler, uh, give me some ideas of how, what to read. And he said, okay, uh, read Calvin's Theology the institutes. And then another professor said, read Jonathan Edwards, his works. And I started, because I was in the bedroom, I mean in the hospital, just having plenty of time to read, I read those books. Wow. That slowly fired my heart back. I started to weep and cry. 
I mean, to read the Calvin's Institutes. You know, when I started seminary back in Singapore, somebody, the professor said, oh, Calvin's Institute, so hard to understand. Bala, if ever you read Calvin's Institute and you understand, please tell me. My a professor in Singapore told me that. But when I'm reading Calvin's Institute, they are devotional doctrines. Doctrines written in a devotional way that stirs your heart. This great doctrine stirs your heart. And then when I find um, theological uh, uh, books, theological books written in the modern times, it's all just academic work. Nothing of it will stir your heart. Calvin's Institute stirs your heart. Oh, Jonathan Edwards, if ever, ever you have money to spend, at least buy this little book by Jonathan Edwards. One of his great treaties is called the, sorry, his great treatise is a treatise, a treatise concerning religious affections by Jonathan Edwards. He is the greatest theologian and preacher America has ever produced. The great awakening in Boston happened under his preaching. Anything you can read from him will stir your hearts. And finally, finally what happened was I started coming back to the Bible and it was Revelations chapter 2 that finally God spoke to me. Because when I am feeling sorry for myself and saying, wow, I've lost so much when I think of Calvin and Jonathan Edwards and my own uh, spirituality at that time was just dry. I realized that I was fallen away from the first love. You know, when I think of what I was when I was young, wow, and I know now nothing. It's all gone. I kept feeling that it's it's not maybe not too bad, but I'm maybe I'm okay, maybe I'm okay. But as Calvin and uh, Edwards stirs me, I'm still trying to say I'm not damned. I'm okay. I'm okay. Until I read Revelations chapter two, and then I. God says, but this is, but I have this against you. You have abandoned the love you had at first. And that really clicked with me. Yes, I don't seem to have that love, that passion uh, for God the way I had in the beginning. Then God says, remember therefore from where you have fallen. 
or NIV says, remember therefore the height from which you have fallen. So I started meditating. First time, remember the height, Bala, from which you have fallen. When you were 21, you were there. And today, you are here. You have fallen this far. Then, the next week, I read, boom! God says, remember the height from which you have fallen. The following week, I read, and God said, remember the height from which you have fallen. Finally, my heart and mind realize that my love, passion, devotion for God had become less soft that in God's estimate, He looks at my heart and the love that I use must have for God is not there, is dry. He considers that a great height of spiritual lostness, a great height at, from which I have fallen. Wow. And then as I was reading Edwards, one God started speaking to me from Ephesians. And I tell you, the, this scripture have blessed me for many years. I have stayed in this chapter for umpteen years and I've still not got out of it. See, so Paul prays for these people for chap uh, chapter, oh, sorry, just now I, verse 15 of Ephesians. For this reason, because I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love towards all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, okay, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, I mean, he's praying for these Ephesians who are already people who are full of faith, full of love, a great church. But he prays, continues, he prays on for this. He says, I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the Spirit, Holy Spirit, may give you the Spirit of wisdom. And then he uses the word revelation, that he may reveal to you, illuminate, illuminate you, which only the Holy Spirit can do. Revelation and illumination is a supernatural work. You and I cannot contribute to that. He alone supernaturally 
must enlighten, illuminate your heart. And that is what he is praying. That God may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Look at this. Carefully read this. Having the eyes of your heart enlightened. That's what the Holy Spirit must do, want to do. That is what Paul prays for the Christian church. That without this, we become dry Christians. Our hearts have been abandoned, forsaken for God. And we have lost the first love. If the Holy Spirit does not come during our devotional times and read the scripture and at that moment the Holy Spirit comes and he is that? and he opens the eyes of your heart if there is any literature in this that best explains it, find Jonathan Edwards' um, sermon on this, where he says this, I don't remember the title, but it is about supernatural illumination or enlightenment. Powerful, powerful material. I, I, I kept reading it almost every few months once. Once again. And this is what he says. Having the eyes of your heart enlightened. That you may know. That you may know. What is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance as the saints. And what is the immeasurable greatness of power. Towards us who believe. According to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand, far above all rule, dominion, and every other name. And he put all things under his feet. Paul is praying. If the Holy Spirit does not do this, Nothing, you can't do it. But he says, God wants you to open your eyes by the Holy Spirit. And then, only then you can see the hope to which Jesus Christ has brought you. And when you see it, you must. There is no other way. You will fall on your knee. And worship God with all your heart. And when you read this text and say, uh, Paul wants you to see the power that God exerted on Jesus Christ at his resurrection. Wow. I have been in this verse 
for the last maybe almost a month and I'm still fl getting flooded with this thought and it is it is just stirring me as I keep seeing wow what happened at the resurrection when God just not only raised Jesus personally but with him he raised all of us that we were put by the Holy Spirit in Christ and Revelation and Ephesians says and we were raised with him let me just read this verse verse 4 of chapter 2 but God rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved you, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. Now, made us alive together with Christ. That is, 2,000 years ago, Christ is there. God, in an amazing way by the Holy Spirit, had made us alive and put us in Christ there. How he did it, I cannot understand. But he says here, even when we were dead in trespasses, he made us alive. By grace you have been saved. And look at verse 6. And God raised us. Raised us with him. You know, with him. We were with him. How is that? You and I who are regenerated, God, in a miraculous way, put us in Christ so that when Jesus rose again, he rose with the church, his body. So that it resurrection, when God exerted his power, was not just a personal resurrection of Jesus Christ. Most of the time when we hear of Easter, Easter they talk about Jesus raising from the dead. No. Jesus raised the church with him. That we all were with him. That's what the Bible says. We were with Jesus by the mystical power of the Holy Spirit that he raised us with him, seated us with him and we have become new creation so that what was we were, what we were when we were born from Adam to my parents, we were born in Adam so we are all in Adam human beings but now you read the New Testament and regularly you hear the word and you are in Christ. You are in Christ. You were raised in Christ. You died with Christ and you were raised with Christ. Wow. And so, though I'm here in my body, this person, this Adamic Bala, 
is according to the Lord Jesus has died. He has been crucified. Died. And what I am really is I am in Christ. No more in Adam. I am in Christ. And Christ has raised me. So that those days when I first became a believer, I would be running around just joyous because I would say, wow, my life, if he, uh, Colossians 1.10, my life is hidden in Christ, in God. My life is hidden in Christ. And that was how joyous I was. But I'm saying that I became dry. And then it was these texts of Ephesians and Revelations that called me to repent and see the height from which I have fallen and to cry out for God's divine illumination. So that when I read the Bible, I don't read anymore just to know the facts. If the Holy Spirit does not open my eyes to the text, I just stay there and weep and cry until he will open his my eyes to see and then ah I go and like when I'm doing this text now it's, it's still not enough and my whole being stirs up I want to share how finally I got to pray for God to open my being, my heart, is Psalm 42, David. So if you can turn with me to Psalm 42. As the deer, so uh, the background of this is David is running away from um, a battle and he's very far away from Jerusalem and he's feeling lonely and he prays here or cries out. As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul. For you, O God, like the song, blessed be that I'm, my soul thirsts. And then he says, my soul thirsts for God, for the living God. He's saying, I'm feeling thirsty, O God. I, I want to enjoy your presence. But look at what he says after that. My tears have been my food day and night, while they say to me all day long, where is your God? These things I remember, he said, as I pour out, I pour out my soul. That is how he prays. 
he pours out his soul. And then verse 5. Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? Again, verse 6. My soul is downcast within me. Again, in the verse 11. Why are you downcast, my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? And then chapter 43, verse 5. Why are you downcast, my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? Here is a man who is thirsting for God. But when he is not experiencing the presence of God, a holy, godly, spiritual man like Jonathan Edwards, as I read in his diary, when these men don't experience the presence of God, they become depressed. They become downcast. Because they cannot handle that God's presence is not with them. And Edwards will ride his horse and every now and then he will say about how depressed he is. That for the last few days, I couldn't feel the presence of God. And these are how we ought to pray. We must pray and pour our hearts before God and say, God, open my eyes that I may behold these great truths and then help me, Lord, so that my thirst for you, I can feel the thirst. And now my thirst and your revelation is touching. I'm thirsting and your Holy Spirit is opening some verse in the Bible and speaking to me. Wow, boom. They both connect and ah, you worship God. That is how I pray that you will, will pray. Pouring your heart out to God and asking that he will open the eyes of your heart to see the gloriousness of God. Let me just finish quickly with an illustration. Long time ago, I was in India visiting. I arrived at this retreat center near the Himalayas uh, foothills uh, by 7 p.m. Around 7 p.m. I arrived. They were asking me to come quick, faster, faster, but, you know, the roads and windy and all that, I couldn't get there. But 7 o'clock when I arrived, they quickly took me out and said, look, look, there is the foothills of the mountains. And I looked and I could see the border lines. You know, that's all I could see at night. And so, okay, I saw a little bit <laughs> the lines. And next morning, I got up and I went out and I saw the mountains. I said, wow. Bible study 
if you only do Bible study, it is like reading the outlines and knowing the, that, oh, that's where it is. Oh, this is where it is. Oh, this is the lines. But when the Holy Spirit opens the eyes of your heart, then you see picture, the pictures of Jesus Christ, the pictures of God's promises. And you say, wow, and your whole soul worships God. But it remember, it must be a supernatural work of the Holy Spirit by enlightening the eyes of our heart, illuminating the eyes of our hearts. God bless you. Thank you.